Hello and welcome. You are listening to The 1% Christian. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, and this is the 1% of our day where we get together for a Bible study. We pray, we reflect on God, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that uh, God has given us. So we, we are coming off a teaching yesterday, which... I don't know about you. I was a little bit tired after that one. Very healthy, healthy portion of scripture to continue with the food analogies here. And uh, I'm sure you've had a lot to chew on uh, over the last 24 hours. And we're going to continue now in John chapter 7. Before we do, I have to do this. I want to invite you to download the Sound of Heaven app. Go to your Android or Apple store. Uh, type in Sound of Heaven, you'll find it there. You can also go to soh.church to download that app, learn more about Sound of Heaven, which is uh, the place in which I am one of the pastors there in Deer Park, New York, which by the way, I haven't done this over the last few days, so I'm going to do it right now. If you would like to visit, you can go to soh.church and get directions. A church alive is worth the drive. So if you're within a day, just drive and and Plan your visit with us and and hang with us. Um, If you cannot make it, then we have our live stream through there as well, and you'll have a great experience uh, online watching our Sunday service. We also do a Wednesday night uh, Bible study as well. Okay, so we're going to jump right into John chapter 7. Just to touch on 6 again. or not even six, just everything up until this point, and what we see kind of bubbling up in Jesus's ministry. We're seeing some, dare I say, tension, intensity rise. We've got folks that are being drawn to him, that are looking for him. We have him healing people. We have him healing people on the Sabbath, which is making others mad, the Jewish leaders mad. We have people hearing what he's saying and saying this teaching is just too much for us and bailing and leaving. And we're starting to see the real pull here because we know where this ends, so to speak. And I use that term ends loosely, but we know this leads to the cross. It leads to Jesus's crucifixion. And what we're watching is the escalation, the somewhat unrest the challenging parts in this society that are happening when Jesus is putting forth principles that they never understood, when he is revealing himself as the Messiah and a different type of Messiah than most people wanted or expected. And God does that for us sometimes. He gives us something different than we expect. And how we react to it is very, very important. So let's jump into John chapter 7, starting with verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. This is true brotherly fashion here. And then they continue, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. 
I think the first takeaway here is that Jesus doesn't want to go to Judea, one, because they're looking to kill him. And you say, well, you're God. What are you afraid of? It's not that Jesus was afraid. And I think if we take anything out of this piece of scripture that we're going to be going through today, is that Jesus was being cautious. That God is actually cautious. And we'll see what he was being cautious about. Even Jesus in his earthly body had wisdom, had the wisdom to go places at certain times. And we can learn from that because a lot of times we're hasty in what we do. But let's deal with Jesus's brothers first here. He says, they say, leave here, go to, go to Judea, let your disciples see what you're doing. I, I read this anyway, as they're almost mocking him because it says in verse five, his brothers didn't believe in him. So in true brotherly fashion, they were saying, oh yeah, then do it, <laughs> right? We've been that sibling and then we have those siblings. Oh yeah, do it. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Go ahead, show yourself to the world. And it's something to be said here. Maybe another takeaway is that you don't necessarily have to Prove yourself to somebody with bad intentions. Let's delve in a little bit further. But the Jewish leaders there are, they're, lo they're looking for him, but not for good reasons. And, Jesus, and his brothers are saying, go ahead, but you, th listen, if this is who you are, if this is who you claim to be, you know, we, we watched you, we saw you as a kid, you know, we saw you as the carpenter. Go ahead, Mr. Carpenter, go heal and save the world. And maybe it's not that intense, but I, I mean, I'm reading it. It could be. The bottom line is they didn't believe who he was, yet they said, go out into the public square. They're not looking to protect him from who he is. But Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. He's saying it's easy for you to say, for you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you. But it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. And after this, he stayed in Galilee. You know, I want you to be bold in who you are. I want you to dare to be you. God wants you. Forget what I want. God wants you to dare to be you. But you don't have to. Jump at every opportunity or every demand for you or every dare for you to be you. Jesus didn't have to prove himself to anyone. You don't have to prove yourself to people with bad intentions. Neither do I. And we see this intensity growing. We see this divide growing. The interesting thing is, you know, the um, apostle James was Jesus's brother. Didn't believe him then. But we see later on in the New Testament that he did. So Jesus doesn't have to justify himself as we see over and over again. And it's and sometimes you're going to get pushback from people that are the closest to you saying, yeah, oh yeah, prove it. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember you. What do you, what do you think? I haven't been here all these years. But just keep pursuing God. And just like James, James came around. 
He was a huge leader in the early church. He wrote the book of James, which is an awesome read, by the way. But God is cautious. Jesus is being cautious here. Jesus is using wisdom. He wants the proper timing. And maybe that's another good conversation to have here is that, that God's timing is perfect. And we should be conscious of our own timing. Think about this for a second. Jesus had the anointing. He had the power. We see later on him talking to Pontius Pilate. He says, man, he goes, my kingdom is not of this world. I can call down angels. I, my, my disciples fight for me. But timing is perfect because Jesus wasn't doing this about him as well. He was doing it for everybody else. And even scripture says that things get revealed in their due season, right? And scripture tells us, don't grow weary in what you're doing, doing good for you reap, will reap in due season if you don't lose heart, which goes to show that sometimes things are not going to go our way. Sometimes things are not going to line up the way we want. Sometimes it's just not the right time. But if we're patient and we're willing to endure, we will reap a harvest in new, due season, right? So I pray for God to reveal to you the strength to be willing to wait for your due season. Due season, the time frame where things are supposed to happen. How many of us have prayed to God for something in the past? And now you look back and you say, you know what? I was not ready for that. <laughs> Thank you, God, that you didn't give me what I asked for when I asked for it. So I wouldn't be ready. And that's what a loving parent does, right? You don't give a newborn baby a steak. You give them what they are ready for. And in the case of God, he gives us what we're ready for when we're ready for it. And when we try to get it on our own, sometimes we get in trouble. He's there for us then too. And just because it's challenging doesn't mean we can't get through it. That's part of our faith, right? One of the things that we released a, a couple, several times in this study is that God will never give you something that he can't handle. It's not necessarily something that you can't handle, it's something that he can't handle. So there's going to be times where you're challenged and it's and you're going to have to give it to him. But be patient for your due season. And don't just jump when somebody says to jump. Jesus wasn't being reckless with his calling. He knew he had a greater purpose than to just perform, to just prove himself, to just be a public figure like his brother said. It's pretty condescending, right? So he tells them you go to the festival. Let's jump to verse 10 now. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Wait a minute, Jesus. You said you weren't going to go. Jesus waits a little bit. And now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. So it's interesting. They don't like Jesus. They don't want Jesus. But they're certainly looking out for him. They're certainly watching for him. And sometimes the people that don't want to hear what we have to say, right? We say that about social media. 
is it's uh it's the people that don't comment sometimes that are that are following your posts but there's definitely a buzz in the crowd and some are saying he's a good man which falls short but okay others saying no he deceives and you notice all these people are not in the presence of Jesus at the time they're making assumptions from a distance and we do that with God sometimes we keep our distance and then we try to make a, a determination of him But then we see in verse 14, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. And the Jews were amazed and they asked, how did this man get such learning without having being taught? And that's where we close out as we're zeroing in on our 1% today. I kept you after class yesterday, so we're going to try to be right on time today. But we see the crowds that are at a distance making assumptions, but when they get into the presence of Jesus, they may not understand everything that's going on, but they're like, wow, there is something different than what I expected. And that's so often how many, what happens? I see people outside of the church that are afraid to go to the church or they don't want to go to the church or, you know, they had an experience at one point and and now they don't know if they want to come back. If you draw close to the real Jesus, the real Jesus, you're going to say, huh, this was not what I expected. This is realer than I expected. At a distance, he's either scary, talking about God, or you say, oh, he's, he's good, he's good. And you can be from a place of maybe minimal understanding. But God wants you to sit at his feet and to learn from him because he's a loving teacher. He's a loving father. And when you draw close to him and you realize that there's something different, something that, that maybe the world is, is not, maybe the church ha- is not portraying God for who he really is. And when you sit at his feet and you get close to him and you realize that his teachings, his principles are not of this world, but of something supernatural, something that is beyond ourselves, something of hope and love and joy and all those amazing things and amazing attributes, it'll change you. But we got to draw close. We can't just be whisperers at a distance in the crowd. And in our own life, again, we take from Jesus' interactions with his brothers. Don't just jump because people tell you to jump. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. The Bible says that you owe your brothers and your sisters nothing but to love them. And when you love people, they see the true God in you, and you could see the change in them. You just be you. You just be the person that God called you to be. But you got to ask, what did God call me to be? He called you to love people. He called you to be a light to this world. And all the attributes that we're going through in these few days in the study, you're called to be all those things too. As we draw close to him and we start learning from him, we realize he's not like everybody else. And you, you don't have to be like everybody else. You could be different. You could be set apart. 
not just for your own success, but for significance. Significance means that you impact the world around you. And I believe that you are a world changer. Say that today. Say, I'm a world changer. Amen? So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to discern the right timing for our life. Help us to proceed with caution, not fear, not doubt, not worry, but wisdom, cautious wisdom as to what the right time is. And if we don't know what the right time is, let us trust you to reveal that to us. Let us not grow impatient. Let us not act in haste, but let us act in your perfect timing. In Jesus' mighty name. My name is Pastor J.D. Ambrosio. You are listening to The 1% Christian. We are going to continue through John chapter 7 tomorrow. I love you guys, and I will see you then.